Welcome to the D-Shift Podcast, where we provide inspiration, motivation, and education to help you transition from the challenges of divorce to discover the freedom and ability to live life on your own terms. Are you ready? Let's get this shift started. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the D-Shift Podcast. And I am really excited today. We have Todd Krieger on with us today, and he is a marriage and sex therapist who works a lot with couples, but also works with individuals as well. So Todd, I am so excited to have you on here because this is that whole, how do we deal with going from a, a couple to a single and all this kind of stuff, trauma, relationship patterns. This is a this is a hot topic for 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 my folks and for a lot of the people that I think a lot of the people all over the world are dealing with these things. So absolutely, tell us us a little bit about yourself because I know you have a ton of expertise. Thank you. Well, it's good to be here first of all, and looking forward to this conversation. Uh, I I do work with couples and individuals, so I do a lot of work with couples. I'm known to. I wrote a book called The Long Hot Marriage. Uh, back in, it's been a while, it's been about 14 years now, uh, but uh, it's, it's all about having how couples can have long-term passionate relationships over the long term. Uh, but since then, I've also done a lot of work with uh, individuals, trauma, helping people uh, break free from toxic relationships, heal from toxic relationships. Uh, I, do, I do a trauma treatment called EMDR, which stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing, which helps people process. Like some of the people that you have that are going through divorce and that need to kind of start fresh, a lot of them uh, have been traumatized by their past relationship. And so to help them pr- uh, process, I do this a lot, uh, that and the trauma from that relationship so that they're kind of able to bring more of who they are and not have post-traumatic stress disorder from the past. So those are some of the things I do. And yeah, sex, sexual issues is part of my training. So I definitely do a lot of work with sexual issues as well. And that's a part of, that's a part of relationships, right? It's, I mean, it's not people like, Ooh, we can't talk about that, but yeah, it's, it's a big part of relationships. Definitely with me, you talk about it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, so I'm really, actually, I'm really fascinated and I know you do a wealth of, of, of different things, but I'm really fascinated with how patterns affect people's behaviors and how um, predictable sometimes, you know, some of us can sit back and go, yep, she's going to pick that wrong guy every single time, or he's going to pick that wrong girl. What, what comes, why why does that develop? How, or how does that, how do some people fall into that and other people don't or. Well, I think we all do, but some people have that resilience or sometimes they go the opposite way, which sometimes is the flip side of the same coin, but we could talk about that. But no, I do, you know, I was a professor too for the last 11 and a half years. I finally retired from that job. So I now have just my one practice and the meditation groups I do and things like that. But I was real busy. It was crazy. <laughs> it sounds so, like it. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was good, but it was, it was, it was wonderful. And but the main class, I taught 10 classes, but the class I taught more than any others there was a theory class and I talked about a lot about neurobiology, how the brain develops as a child in their interactions with their mom and dad and, and family. And our brain is a very adaptable organ. So for example, if a person, let's say you have a woman who grew up in a family, just hypothetically, even though I see it all the time, uh, where they, they, they always were the responsible one. Uh, maybe dad's alcoholic, 
mom was struggling and she's the oldest sibling of three or four. And so she she learns to grow up too fast and deactivate, not her fault, deactivate her healthy childhood desires and needs and selfishness, which is healthy. That person, good chance that person's going to grow up to be um, uh, involved with a man uh, or a partner, a woman, whatever, uh, that is self, self-absorbed, uh, all about themselves, because they slip very easily into the caretaker, overly responsible role. So that's just one example, right? Uh, I mean, there are people, I've, I've known one who is ultra responsible, and she went totally the other way and just started to drink. She started to drink, and she she couldn't be sober and irresponsible, so she or not even healthily irresponsible, I'll say. So she drank and she she went overboard and she cheated on her husband. But it's still uh, these patterns are always stemming from our childhood patterns, the way our brain adapts, the way our brain wires. Yeah. The good news is, I mean, it's good and bad news. We have this thing called neuroplasticity where the brain adapts to our environment. But if we have good therapy, good coaching, a good relationship, it could change for the better too. And we can literally rewire our brain so that suddenly we're not attracted to the same, you know, in this case, self-absorbed person, let's say, you know, that they actually can begin to feel attraction to another kind of person. Right. So, so you said something that, that I think was really interesting. Can people see those patterns themselves or is it really an outside person that's better equipped to see those patterns? I, I think that, Sometimes you don't need an outside person. It helps to have an outside person. I think a lot of the clients I see, they go, oh my God, I didn't, I never realized that before. But I think pain gets our attention, right? So when a person has gone through one more divorce or one more breakup, one more betrayal, oftentimes that pain leads them to go, what is going on? Their symptoms, maybe they're depressed, they're anxious. That leads to them looking at books and and they start to see themselves in these books or these podcasts or, you know, like the one you do, you know, and they, that could be a great starting point. So oftentimes there's a variety of things. They need something outside of themselves, right? Because they, they know their family or they know their pattern. They know their relationships. And oftentimes it's a book, a, a podcast, uh, a, a show, or a person, a therapist, coach, whatever, that will help them through it. But you, know, you could do a lot on your own because of the pain. It's like, this is not working. I can't do this anymore. They hit that threshold where it becomes more uncomfortable to stay the same than to change, right? You know, because we're yeah. such creatures of habit. Right. So that right. gets them moving sometimes and looking and observing and trying to understand themselves. And how how much does um, and so I I liked how you said you talked about um, sometimes the 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 hypothetical woman in an in an alcoholic family situation, you know there's that old saying that women marry their fathers and men look for their mothers and a partner is that is that really authentic or is that just yeah. kind of a generalization? Yeah. It's a little bit of a generalization because sometimes it's not that simple. Sometimes I've seen people I've seen women marry someone that it, it evoked a pattern that they had with their mother. But I'd say that that's true a lot, though, the opposite sex parent, um, it, it, you know, in heterosexual relationships. I think you do see that. I think you do see that sometimes. It's not, it's just like I said, sometimes it, it could be same sex or, you sure. know, 
we just tend to uh, slip into something that we knew before, something we were familiar with before. Right, right. So one of the things that I always think that's really interesting is how do you then, even if you recognize the pattern, like let's say, I mean, I, I had a wonderful dad. I don't know. I mean, he was he was a police officer. He's a little authoritative, but, you know, he wasn't abusive. He was very right. kind and loving. And so when I think of of my if I was to be able to marry the person who was my father, I would be like, yeah, this would be really, really right. good because there wouldn't right. be a lot of I mean, everybody has personality flaws. Right. But yeah. Um, yeah. so so how, is it OK to even if you had a bad parent that you're that you kind of see as that safety can you still identify some of the positives or do you have to go completely break out of that mold and and kind of generate your own ideal partner how does that work that's that's true you know i I think that we're all so different like there are some people that become pretty wise whether it's through pain of previous relationships or Maybe the rare person who maybe is an old soul, they get it like, oh, my God, my parents were this. And they are able to, for whatever reason, uh, be more conscious and they can choose someone that uh, works out better. I've seen that happen. I've seen certain people that are just wise. They're just wise. Yeah. Uh, most of us, most of us aren't that wise. <laughs> most <laughs> of us learn through struggle, uh, through yeah. pain. Uh, and uh, and oftentimes seek help. Thank goodness people aren't looking at therapists as something bad as much anymore that we realize that to me, reaching out for somebody to help is, is uh, help it gives you an opportunity to be open to new things, new ways, new ways of thinking and and not be trapped in old patterns. So that, that's important. I don't know if I'm totally answering your question. Today. No, you are. No, no, you're okay. doing a good job. No, that okay. that's really good. Yeah. So so it, the the idea of changing the way you see potential new partners, um, are there specific steps or strategies that people need to to put into place or how does that come about? Let's say you, I recognize I've got a problem. Like I'm picking, I'm picking wrong people. Oh, that's right. That, wrong. How do I, how do I change that? Yeah. Like how do I really change that? So you know, you mentioned emotional regulation. I was mentioning that to you uh, in our previous conversation before this. I we we start to recognize that everything we do is to regulate our emotions. So oftentimes, change requires a new way of regulating our emotion, and also it requires some tolerance of anxiety that comes with newness, even the new, if the, even if the new thing is going to be really good, right? So let's say you have the person we talk about, I said previously, you have a person who's always been responsible, been attracted to the selfish man who needs to be taken care of and managed and just goes out and does whatever he wants and she's taking care of everything. And then she finally, he breaks up with her or she says, I can't take it. She breaks up with him. She goes, man, I, I really have got to change something. So she starts to think about, well, what if I were to get involved with someone who was responsible like me, who I didn't have to always be ultra responsible. And if she's honest with herself, she might notice there's some anxiety there. Like, wow, that means that I need to learn how to let him take care of me. I'm not good at that. I'm not good at receiving. 
Right. And it, it makes me scared because what if they leave me? Now I'm vulnerable. So maybe she's never learned to be vulnerable. She never had to be. She was so responsible. She never had someone strong for her. She goes, yeah, that's why I get anxious. And so I go to what I'm used to, but I end up getting the same bad relationship. How do I deal with that? You know, and then, you know, what I do with I help couples, I people, I say in this case, women recognize their anxiety, learn to, to calm themselves down through relaxation, through breathing, through meditation, through talking themselves into it's going to be okay. You know, like you, me, we've all taken, we've done things that are scary. We just kind of hold that nose and dive in, right? Right, Jump in. Uh, And so some of that is recognizing and accepting that even if I try to relax, that there'll be some anxiety and that I just need to manage it, regulate it the best I can, but not, but, 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 be welcome, welcome it, welcome the anxiety uh, to, okay, this guy, uh, he, he doesn't need me. He seems to want me. Uh-oh, I'm feeling a little threatened. Right. Okay. And they, they have to start to practice, you know, again, being aware of it, talking about it with maybe even the man uh, yeah. at some point, not on the first date maybe, but at some <laughs> point, you know, yeah. um, and maybe seeking a therapist to work things through. And And again, the good news is that, with awareness and with intent, we can make changes and our brain changes and our mind changes, our mindset changes. And now we're, we have more options, right? We have more options than we did before. If we're just slipping into familiarity, we don't have options. So yeah. there's a tolerance for the unfamiliar and we can breathe and regulate and try something new and be adventurous. You know, it's an adventure to try something new that's healthier, hopefully. It should be. Yeah. And, you know, it's I you've used that term neuroplasticity a couple of times. And um, uh, my my husband passed away a few years ago, but he had a massive stroke before that. And oh. he so we did a lot of work and he was yeah. actually study on neuroplasticity. Oh, yeah. So that was really I got to learn. I got a crash course in it. It was really yeah. cool. The, the research team was there doing different exercises with him, you know, yes, um, right and left brain engagement. Yeah. And things. So it was, it was really fascinating, but how do we, so I know how it works in like a clinical setting. How does it work when you're talking to somebody? Like how can we change the way our thinking patterns are, our brain neural connections? How can we change that? Just, just through having a conversation. A person like this, let's keep it the same example. Let's say yeah. she starts to talk with this person and say, it's, it's scary for me because I've always been the one in control. And with you, I'm not in control. And I know it's important. It's healthy. And I like that you're self-sufficient and I don't have to manage you, but it's new and it's different. And he goes, yeah, I get that. And they have a conversation about it. And then what happens is she continues, be- she doesn't break up. She stays with it. She feels anxious, but the anxiety starts to lessen as she starts to realize that this is not going to blow up on her that she actually can trust somebody, you know, and someone who really um, is there for her. Well, while that's happening, it might not be one conversation, but over many conversations, uh, her, her, you know, they actually call this internal working models. It's the, it's the part of the brain in the Olympic brain in the amygdala uh, where the neurons are wired. It's almost like it predicts. So she came from a family where it predicted that oh, I'm someone that has to take care of people. And then right. she acts contrary to that over 
the neurons start to change over a series of conversations where it's like, oh, uh, I, my, I, now I could predict that it's okay to receive care and love and support from another person. Right. I'm not always the one that has to do it. I don't have to do it to be loved. I could be loved for who I am, not for what I do. And sure, I need to love and care and listen, but I need to allow myself to be listened to. And as I do that, my brain does change. It, it really does. They, they've shown studies how brain changes in meditation. They've shown studies how the brain changes uh, after trauma through uh, a process like EMDR, you know, and it also changes through good relationships and it changes, unfortunately, in bad. There's also the opposite of that where people came from very secure families. They pick a guy who look good on the surface, but they're very much of a gaslighting narcissist. And over time, their brain changes for the negative. Yes. Again, if they get out of it, they start to help repair it, then it brain can change back. So, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it's, uh, it's really amazing. And like what happened with your husband in the clinical setting, it does happen in the interpersonal setting all the time. Yeah, it really does. That's why there are people that they get in a good relationship, not only their brain changes, the whole body changes, and they feel healthier, and their whole chemistry can change for the positive or negative based on the environment they're in. We're, brains are pretty fascinating things, actually. Yeah. <laughs> they really yeah. are. So oh, you, yeah. you mentioned that you use, um, and I, I know we want to talk a little bit about mindfulness in here. Uh, I mean, meditation and mindfulness. Um, with your meditation practice, how does that, so I've read some research on this, but I want to, I want you to explain if you can, how do you, how does it, how does that impact emotional regulation, neuroplasticity, yes. changing yeah. those patterns of behavior? Right. That's true. You know, now there's been studies and I'm not like totally proficient on all these studies, but there's studies on meditation research on the brain that shows how um, the, the parts of the brain that can regulate ourselves get enhanced. The cortex, which is the most evolved part of the brain, the hippocampus gets uh, grows in meditation. Uh, the hippocampus is a part of the another part of the brain, the limbic brain, but it's, it keeps us uh, regulated and it's the filing cabinet of the brain. It keeps the past in the past, the present in the present. Okay. So people that have PTSD have shrunken hippocampi. So they've shown both EMDR and meditation could build that up. There's, uh, there's increased connection between the, uh, the, the corpus callosum, which is the fiber between the left and right hemisphere. Yes. Thick, okay. Thick, and you know about that with your husband. Yes. With, it thickens through meditation. There's more of a connection between the left and right hemisphere and the upper and lower parts of the brain. Uh, and so uh, on a brain, in terms of just brain, you can see all those things happening. But also just if we put aside the biology, meditation helps us, especially the way I teach it, helps people access the part of them that already is whole and loving and peaceful. It's the part of us that uh, is beyond the mind and beyond all the history of, of hurt and trauma. Uh, and uh, it also helps us stay in the present. So for example, in the program that I do, every month I have a new theme. And the first month theme is about listening from your depths. And I do a whole meditation on dropping your agenda. 
we always have agendas, but we don't, we can drop our agenda. We yeah. just haven't been trained to. So when we drop our agenda doing meditation, it feels really relaxing, actually, and feels really good, even though I'm not trying to tell them to relax. It just happens that way. But then it, it, then it, I, it's called, my program is called Meditation for Self and Interpersonal Healing. So in the meditations that I do, almost always there's a self part of it, but then I bring in an interpersonal part of it where you get to, even in your own meditation, experience dropping in this particular meditation, dropping your agenda with someone, with your partner or anyone who in the past may have said something that triggered you, but in this mm-hmm. case, your agenda is dropped. And then I give them in their practice guide that they have, they get to practice uh, what they learned in the meditation in everyday life. Not It's different. Meditation is different than non-meditative states, but, you, you know, so for example, as I practice it, and I've been married for 38 years, and my wife says something that maybe negative feedback or criticism, criticism. I could, oh, just drop my, my, drop my agenda. Now I can stay present. So it helps people stay present. Uh, meditation can help you forgive, open your heart where you've been hurt before, meditate. You know, so there's a, again, the way I do it in my program, I, I make it, it's very, it's not woo-woo kind of program. Yeah. It's very, it, it definitely helps you get in touch with this part of you that is, like, I, I, I don't know, how, you know, I'll say it for this purpose, like beyond the mind that just is already there. Yeah. Uh, but also uh, that it helps you in your relationships and in your life to be regulated emotionally so that you, you're not, every feeling, every thought that comes doesn't just pull you one way or the other, that you're, you're kind of solid. You've got roots, right. you know, like a large tree that can withstand a blow, maybe even a tornado. Yeah. yeah. And it, you know, I, I wasn't, I kind of thought meditation, woo woo, who cares, whatever. And at 55, I started doing yoga and started doing the breathing yeah. stuff, got more into that. And then I read um, uh, the untethered soul by Michael Singer and all of a I sudden love that I just went, I'm doing meditation. So yeah, it's the best. I, I just, the degree's great. Yeah. you know, and I just, it's just a few minutes a day, but I can tell on days when I do it and days when I don't. I haven't reached oh, the yeah. point where I can do the 15, 20 minutes. I'm lucky if I can do two or three, but I think it's a it's a practice, right? Oh, you yeah. you work practice. and you get a little better. It's like working out a muscle you know, yeah. every day. Yeah. It's not a short-term thing, but you do it every day and suddenly go, oh, wow, uh, life's sweeter. Even, yeah. oh, I'm more, yeah. I'm more resilient. Uh, you know, I'm not as, you know, um, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not pushed around like I was before by the events in my life. You know, I loved it when you said dropping your agenda, because now like before I I'm a list person. So I would have lists. I would have things. I have things on my calendar and I'm, time is important. Right. But um, I would be so focused on that. I think I was missing a ton of opportunities and now I'm, I'm like, okay, there's an opportunity. I can do that. I can take that. So it is a big difference. Yeah. Uh, we have covered a ton of information, what Todd, what do you think is one thing that you would like people to remember from this conversation when they finish the podcast and go about their life? What's the thing you'd like them to remember? You know, I would say that the most important thing I want your listeners to get is that no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how, many, how much success you've had in life and in relationships, that you're a gem. You're a gem. 
And there's a part of your mind that may not believe it because that's what we do. We, we, we look, our minds tell us things about ourselves. Don't believe your mind. <laughs> uh, and uh, just know that you're worth it. And if you're worth it, even if your mind says you're not, live your life like you're worth it. What does that mean? Take care of yourself, nurture yourself, set boundaries with people, your intimate partners or your parents or your kids or whatever, um, and just know you're worth it. That's 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 my answer to your question right off the I bat. love that. What a positive yeah. thing to end this up yeah. on. Todd, if people want to get in touch with you, found out, find out more about how to get involved with your meditation groups or programs or the work that you do, what's the best way for people to reach you? Well, since I mentioned the meditation group, I mean, that you could just go to my website, toddkrieger.com, um, T-O-D-D-C-R-E-A-G-E-R.com, or email me at todd at toddkrieger.com, and I could tell you more about it. Um, there is a there is a actual free uh, thing I do every month, and if if a person goes to, I'll, I'll tell you, this, this, there's another, so there's another link. It's called Todd Krieger, T-O-D-D-C-R-E-A-G-E-R, Todd Krieger Training, Todd Krieger Training dot com slash best dash self slash best dash self. So I'm, I just started this this uh, past month and uh, well, last month, um, and I'm doing it every month. It's called the best self experience, and it's the best self experience because you know I, another way to answer the question is. When you find your best self, you access your best self. It's there. You could bring the best out of others. So the uh, the best self experience is one where I, I talk about what that means, how you can access it. I do a meditation to help you access this best self and answer any questions people have. I do it every month and it's free. Love so, that. And yeah. we love free things here. So yeah. thank you so much. That's yeah. very generous of you, Todd. Sure. That's really appreciated. Sure. Yeah, I love you. people to sign up. So, yeah. Yeah, so would I. So I'm going to encourage everybody to um, check that out. Make sure that you get in touch with Todd if you have any questions. Um, he's definitely the the expert in this field. So thank you so much. Todd, really appreciate you. Sure. And thank you, everybody, for listening in. And don't forget to catch the next episode of the D-Shift Podcast. Thanks for listening and supporting the D-Shift Podcast. If you would like to attend live trainings by our amazing guests and have a chance to ask questions and get answers from our experts, join the D-Shift crew. For more details and to sign up, head on over to www.divorcecoachforwomen and click on the podcast page.